everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Well, it's our final podcast associated with the 2020 football season, the moment you've all been waiting for. We ha- we present the second annual, I guess now that... Officially. Yeah, we can say the second annual, the second annual Roosties. Uh, so we'll go through our um, the categories uh, that we put together last year and and give our picks for those this year. And yeah, so this this will be our last one for a little bit. So so suck it in, guys. Yeah, it, you know it makes me laugh. My my dad put on a a charity golf course or golf uh, golf tournament with his company several years back, and uh, his boss told me, you know, get everything together. And so he was organizing stuff, and he said nobody comes to the first annual, so let's just make it the seventh. And he started the annual golf tournament at the seventh annual golf tournament just just because. And so now they're on like the the 30th annual (laughs) or what have you, which is actually like the 22nd annual. But everybody who knew that the 30th was actually the 22nd is like long gone and not there anymore. So it's we could have we could have just called it the 12th. Is is it the equivalent of like when a. You know, you start a book and I guess they number all the pages starting even at just like the title page. So the the book proper starts on like page eight. Yeah, there you go. Or you get one of those like uh, Lord of the Rings with like the, the lengthy appendix or not the pre- the prequel, you know, with the I, 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 the Roman yeah. numerals. And then you or actually like start a, on like or like a 25. Star Wars situation where you retro- you make the first one, you know, four. And then later on, you go back and you have the one, two and three. Yeah, there you go. So the point is, this is this is two. <laughs> next year it might be something else. I don't know. We can get. We creative. might just bump it up to make them more prestigious next. Like next year could be the eighth annual. You never know. We could count in like I don't know, like base three. We hadn't had a math joke in some time. Yeah. So next year could be the the tenth annual. Yeah. So this will be fun. This will be. Uh, we, this is our last podcast of 2020. I, you know, I can't believe we we've made it <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. So if you uh, if you haven't yet, the uh, the last two podcasts uh, will have some good material as 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 well as this one for you guys. Uh, two weeks ago, we broke down the UAB game and kind of gave our bigger picture thoughts on the season as a whole, kind of versus expectations, and then. Last week we got with I thought this was pretty cool. I think it translated all right with the Rice Creative team, uh, the digital design folks, and kind of talked through National Signing Day, went through the class, things like that. So we had like 17 things that we wanted to talk about at the end of the year, and we were gracious to split it up into three shows instead of one. Well, you don't think they wanted a like a three and a half hour podcast? I mean, it's possible. Hey, hey, and also while the notes at go go to at the in the middle of the page, you'll see a big gray box that has a, a survey up there for you guys. Uh, and please tell us if you want a three hour podcast. I don't I don't think we're opposed to it, but uh, uh, for, for my sake, just uh, let, let us know either the podcast or the season from the roost, what you like, what you didn't like um, helps us get better and, and come up with fun ideas. I think the roosties uh, might have been either. I don't know if it was submitted in that survey a couple years back or it, it, the idea was birthed from there. But we do listen to what you guys say and we love talking with you. So go ahead and do that. Also, make sure you subscribe on Patreon. We got basketball and baseball 
coming up before we know it. It's going to be 2021 in like a couple days. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Keep getting the podcast out there. We're uh, ready to go do this again if y'all will keep listening. Actually, we might do it if y'all don't keep listening, but we'd appreciate if you did. And I think those are our only notes other than... Do we do we mention the Conference USA Bowl situation or do we just skip past that? Uh, should we just say South Carolina was scared to play UAB and and not say anything else? Is that all we yeah, have? That's fair. Don't I, need to say anything else. I Frankly, think I don't know why. Like, I realize everybody is bowl eligible. And, you know, I don't know if somebody had offered Rice a bowl spot. I, like, I would have been happy for them to accept it. But like, if you're South Carolina and you went two and eight and your coach got fired, like. Why did you accept that bowl bid in the first place? Like, what what was doing that going to do for you? Makes zero sense. So the conference champion UAB is the, uh, well, I guess everybody's bowl eligible, but they're the only team scheduled to go bowling for Conference USA that did not play a bowl, which is odd enough. That game got canceled. They sent everybody home. I was getting tagged on, on Twitter about, like, so is Rice next up? And I'm like... <laughs> I don't think you understand, guys. At that point, it's like, you know, what, December 22nd, 23rd. And usually the bowl trip is like, you know, like everybody goes to it's like San Antonio or Boca Raton or, you know, wherever, I guess, Frisco, but maybe not as luxurious. But you go out for a week, you go bowling, sing karaoke. There's a swag bag. It's a lot of fun. Now it's just like, hey, go fly to Shreveport, play a game that doesn't matter and come home. So that's less exciting after you've been doing pandemic quarantine protocols for however many months. Yeah, although I did see I can't remember who it was, but but somebody from a team that recently had their bowl canceled uh, was just complaining about that. He had really meant to use uh, I don't know if it was something that was directly in the, you know, the prize package that they give to players at various bowls, which is. Uh, it's always funny to like look at the lists of those and see which like specialty items guys get and you know which which bowls give good stuff which bowls give strange novelties that you can't imagine what anyone's going to do with but one player said that he was very disappointed because he had been meaning to get an air fryer for his mom and he had been planning to use the gift card from the bowl to get an air fryer for his mom and now he was going to have to think of something else to get her for christmas so, hey, no joke. And we don't have to review all <laughs> Christmas holiday presents on this podcast. But I did get a, my wife an air fryer for Black Friday given on Christmas. And we busted it out today and made uh, like pretzel bites. Ooh, just phenomenal. Fantastic. Usually the like every year it's like a different Black Friday craze. Like everybody needs to get a, you know, a, a iRobot. Everybody needs to get a Instant Pot. Everybody has to get a you know, whatever. And I don't know if I subscribe to all of them, but I'm a big fan of air fryer. <laughs> Maybe that, that will add an air fryer review segment on to the end of every show. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and it, Hey, air fryer manufacturers, if you're listening and you want us to, to plug your air fryer, you know, we're open for that. I couldn't even have told you what I bought. <laughs> uh, is there, is there, <laughs> it, 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 it cooks things and it has a brand. And that brand could be your brand, air fryer manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody has to know what it actually is. Yeah, that's not as important. But I think that uh, that 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 covers all of the 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 lead up 
part, we can get to the the main event if we want the, as you mentioned, the second annual official Roosties. That's All this right. is where the drum roll sound effects getting put yeah. in, right? <laughs> I'll add something dramatic in post. There you go. Well, our first category is favorite play. Um, I think there's a fairly obvious answer for this one. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put mine. It was the Naeem, Naeem Smith pick six at Marshall. I, uh, yeah, no suspense there. That was that was easy. Um, if I were to pick a runner up, um, it's, it's maybe odd for it to be one that came in a loss. But uh, the the fourth down throw to Austin Trammell against Middle Tennessee to to get them back in position to tie that game was just such a like miraculous play of the sort that I have not been conditioned to seeing rice teams and in particular uh, rice quarterbacks in pressure situations making. So uh, even though the the final result was not great, that that one play was was one of my more joyous moments of the season. I think my runner up would probably be. Oh, that's tough. I, I might go and say the Miles McCord interception against Southern Miss. When Jack Abraham was in the game, Rice had already scored. That yeah. turned turned Southern Miss away in the red zone again. They went down and scored. At that point, it was that was the kind of the first time in the season where I felt like maybe this team is different. Like I'd hoped it, but seeing them just completely stonewall Conference USA's best quarterback, well, it, it, <laughs> purported best quarterback entering the season. I guess I don't he transferred, <laughs> right? So I don't know where he is now. But but yeah, Naeem Smith pick six, obviously. Again, talking about, you know, momentum and emotional <laughs> turning moments. When that happened, it kind of felt like because we've seen Rice take leads early against what they've scored first and how many of their games now, like 10 in a row or something like that. It's a fairly substantial streak at this point. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of seven nothing and even ten nothing, thirteen nothing rice leads, but uh, once it got to twenty nothing, it was like, oh, they're gonna do this, like actually do this. I can throw away the part of my post piece talking about, well, it was a good effort, <laughs> or or wasn't. At that point, I was I'd, I'd written enough of the it was a good effort because they started really well. Hey, it still was a good effort. It just didn't uh, come up short. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. I mean, I feel like we could we could give a lot of uh, our, our roosties to to that moment and that game. And we probably will hit on it again. I'm just guessing. And uh, oh, side note, if you do want like more traditional awards, uh, <laughs> offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, uh, I have defensive offensive, defensive newcomers of the year. Uh, if you go on the site right now this week. Uh, I give out my traditional awards, team MVP, things like that. So you can go get the more stock version of our postseason commentary. This is a, a bit more out of the box, a bit more fun, and a bit more uh, maybe debatable. After yeah, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, moving on to player you were the most wrong about, uh, the biggest surprise. Um, I think for this one, I probably have to go with the cornerbacks uh, just because before the season, we had gotten to a point where we were basically in panic mode with this unit. Um, 
and I guess this is a unit instead of a uh, a player. And if you wanted a player, you could probably go Miles McCord specifically, but it really looked like we were in for full disaster mode right before the season. And then the corners were, I mean, they, they weren't perfect, like, but all things considered, given that they were down to guys who were third and fourth on the depth chart, you know, prior to the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, we, we talked plenty about that this season, but it, it was it was very impressive how the, the final effort for them turned out. I'm laughing because I, I I went back and I've already started kind of my postseason wrap up stuff and just general preparation and notes I do to get ready for the offseason. I sent you a snippet I got in my my spring write up for the corner position. And it's it's a couple sentences here, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, so starters at the time in the spring, Treshawn Devones and Tyree Thornton, backups, Andrew Bird, Jason White. Uh, I, I said also at spring ball, Miles McCord. <laughs> he was there <laughs> and then i ended that uh paragraph there with i don't see any for surprise any i don't foresee any surprises here before the freshmen arrive in the fall by the time the freshmen arrived in the fall did we have a cornerback room or were they it <laughs> yeah pretty close uh, another example of of 2020 taking any uh any predictions any plans you have and just yeah. tossing them straight out the window and into the dumpster. You get a partial pass there because I think we were both wrong to that uh, to some extent about the position uh, because we had thought it would be like four different guys playing that actually ended up being. So uh, my my player I was most wrong about uh, just something I, I did not foresee uh, was Jake Bailey. And it was kind of a, a talent and opportunity thing for me. I'd seen him play. Last year in practice, obviously, and had done some nice things, but just hadn't broken through yet in any way. And he came in as the the highest rated signee that Mike Bloomer had ever signed. And so he kind of came in with a good amount of accolades and expectation and didn't really get on the field. At, well, he was on the field, maybe just didn't make as many plays. I think he had single digit catches last year. And uh, I, I had three, four, five different folks come up, up to me and say, hey, guys, Jake Bailey is going to be awesome. Just just you watch. And I, I do remember responding to a, a position coach, a defensive position coach. <clears throat> and I said, hey, if he's not lining up outside, I don't believe it <laughs> because Austin Trammell's in the slot and you're going to run one of your other tight ends on the other side. And where is he going to play? Well, I was wrong. Not only did he uh, become, I guess, the primary X receiver for most of the season, or I guess half with with yeah. Trammell out, and and he played really well, and he was playing out of position. I think people might not just the casual fan might not really pay too much attention to where each receiver is lining up, but the responsibilities of each if each different role in the offense are, are so unique, and for Jake to be able to stand up and, and be somewhere that he is. You know, he's not 6'1". He, he doesn't have the up vertical ability of a, a Rosner or an August Peak. And so be able to go out there on the side and, and beat off, uh, you know, initial contact and, and make room for himself and get catches. I was I was very impressed and I'm very excited to see what happens when he gets back to the slot next year and can play the position he's best tailored for. So I, I pleasantly surprised uh, with what Jake Bailey did. Yeah, totally agreed. He uh you know, they were so decimated in the passing game on 
on on both ends of the battery, if you will, by the end of the season. And it, it, it sort of was at the point where he was kind of all there was in the passing game. And uh, he he really rose to the occasion. I was I was very impressed with the way he became kind of the go to guy with with nobody else there. Like, I mean, the targets had to go somewhere, even though they didn't they didn't throw the ball a whole lot over those last two games. But, you know, someone had to be there to be on the receiving end of those. And and, you know, he wasn't just there like he he stepped up and made plays. So I, it, it was very impressive. I was I was really glad for him to to take that step. Yeah. And Jake Bailey was a guy that he got hurt and didn't he if you look back, he didn't play the last series of the Marshall game because he'd been injured and he was questionable, missed some practice in the week leading up to the UAB game. And so he was not playing at 100 percent against UAB. And it got to the last drive of the game when Rice was on offense. And it's Wiley Green under center, just like everybody, you know, saw coming third string quarterback in the last game. (laughs) And it was it was Jake Bailey on every single play. Like it was finding him on the sideline. They had a fourth down conversion that you highlighted, Carter, in the in the film room uh, with him coming across the field on a, a pretty nifty pick play. But everything was going uh, to to Bailey, and it's one of those things that you know it didn't take much advanced scouting to realize what receivers were left on the field for Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if your options were, hey, should we cover the only the only scholarship wide receiver left standing? I guess Andrew Mason was there, too, but the only uh, experienced guy or, you know, the scout team running back. Who I'm super pumped for Kobe Campbell. I think he's going to have a a great future uh, at Rice, but (laughs) not uh, not the situation he wanted to be playing in, I'm sure. Yeah, you you would be covering Bailey and, and he still was able to will them down the field to I guess the ball was intercepted on like what that the two yard line. So Rice was two yards away from uh, tying things up at least. But yeah, that was really impressed. One of those things where I was I was told that he was going to be very, very good. And, you know, he was very, very good. All right. Our next award is Most Improved Unit. Um, I had to think about this one for a little bit just because, you know, kind of the units that were good this year uh, were ones that were good last year. And, ones that struggled a bit were maybe ones that struggled a bit, but I think it's probably just fair to go with quarterback here. Um, certainly at least to the extent that Mike Collins was playing, uh, he was just offered a level of playmaking as a passer that was, was miles ahead of what Rice has seen and position in, in a very, very long time. So. Yeah, this was really, really tricky for me too. Cause I was just kind of working through the defense and I like the secondary was kind of a, a push with and with everything yeah. going on. It's fine. Uh, linebacker was was just as good. And it's it was the same guys. And the defensive line uh, was equally productive, uh, maybe if not more so. But I don't think it was significant. So that that left the offense. And I, I kind of honestly, I didn't even think about quarterback which is I probably should have because <laughs> Mike is the, it was the, the you know biggest offensive positive surprise maybe um, at that point. But I, I went with the tight ends. and That would have been my second choice. Yeah, you know? for a couple reasons. You had Jack Bradley 
had a, a huge couple huge catches in the Middle Tennessee game, and we saw him much more as a blocker from then on. I want to see more of, of him going forward. Uh, but what Jordan Myers w- was able to do, the only Rice player to score a rushing touchdown in 2020 was the tight end. What a weird stat that is. Yeah, I mean, he was returning punts. He was catching passes. He was blocking with all of the injuries and everything and people getting mixed up. They had a lot of, uh, like, bull in at, at fullback, like true H-back and moving him around. And they just had so many guys that did so many different things. And I think back in last year and year before, it was like a, like Jonathan Sanchez like or, or, jo- or Jordan French. Like, are these guys going to take up and, and, and be that guy? And this year, you know, we didn't see either, really, of, of those guys. But we said, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Jordan Myers and and Jagger Bull can can be great, then things will work out. And they were they were phenomenal. I, I like Jordan Myers is you build the whole plane at Jordan Myers and you'll be OK. <laughs> I mean, at times, they literally fun. built the whole offense out of him. So it's not all that far off. Uh, next is. I hate that we have to come back here, but play or game you most want to redo. Um, I think my answer has to be the quadruple doink uh, because that goes through and, you know, you get a window open the season. You're you're the rest of it goes the same. You're you're 500 for the year. Uh, That's one play that just immediately turns a loss into a win. So. Yeah, and, and that was where my brain went first. And it and somehow like I know the game like I know it actually balanced out, but I'm playing like the unlikelihood of it in my head over and over again to like at some point I'm gonna forget that it bounced out and I'm just gonna remember <laughs> it hit four times. And like the consequentiality of did I make up that word? Consequentiality? The consequences of that game, like <laughs> it, it, it in the grand scheme of things, whether or not this season Rice beat or lost to Middle Tennessee. I don't think it really mattered. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like maybe it was a bowl game extent. And so the that is a part of it. But if I, I, I thought if I could go back and take one play off or redo it, I want to redo the second touchdown pass in the UAB game where the quarterback unthrow, underthrows the ball and McCord can't do it, get to it. And the guy gets into the end zone and scores to put him up. At that point, it was 20 to Seven, twenty-six, twenty-six. Uh, at that point, you're talking about, you know, Wiley trying to maybe, who, who knows? That was early enough in the in the game, but Wiley leading a, a fourth quarter attempt where he just has to get him in field goal range for a field goal kicker who's been pretty reliable. Um, and I can live with the Middle Tennessee game just being like that was the weirdest bounce ever, and you're probably going to win that game most of the time. Versus if you, I, I, if that's the loss, that's a lot more you know, easily swallowable versus the UAB game, where if you told me I would trade, like you can have the quadruple doink if I get to end the season beating Marshall and UAB, or at least being, you know, a field goal away like that so much closer. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because it would have been pretty fun. Like if you would have, if you would have told me this year, like Rice went two and three, but the wins were against Marshall and UAB. Yeah, that, pr- that's a that's I, a pretty good deal. I don't even need context. <laughs> uh, our next one is a bit of a, a 
uh, a hazy one, if you will, just because uh, it's player you'll miss the most. And right now, we don't know who that even could be because we don't know who's going to choose to use that extra year of eligibility. So, yeah, and we've seen some players from from uh, other schools have gone out and made statements and said they're they're coming back or they're coming not. I know that. Uh, or they're transferring of... and using that extra eligibility right. somewhere else, like Chase Bryce, who is now doing the rare double grad transfer. <laughs> and wait, d- does he have... Did he have two to play? Will he have another year after this? Could he triple? Oh man, I think I don't he know. could. Maybe. <laughs> I think at this point, I think the only notable grad transfer uh, Rice has had was was Chris Boudreau, converted wide receiver, defensive back, has has graduated and is going elsewhere for his last year. Which I like. If you graduate, more power to you. Like, go to it. I will. Never forget number 96 offensive lineman jersey in the end zone. <laughs> you have you have earned a, a spot in Rice lore. E- Eternal legend on South Main, Chris Boudreaux, for that reason alone. I Maybe respect they, it. They have all those old pictures up in the R room. Like, why not? But yeah, so we, we don't know. Maybe something gets announced by the time this puts out, but... And we'll have some, and and as things kind of get finalized and Rice starts looking to get into signing day in the spring, I'm sure we'll have more answers there. But uh, hypothetically, from our best guess, a player you'll miss the most. Uh, I think for me, it probably has to be Blaze Aldridge. Um, Just from a perspective, it seems like he may have fairly decent NFL prospects. Um. I don't know that he's going to raise his stock by choosing to come back another season. So if if that is what he plans, if that is what he wants to do, and I I think it is, and this is the time he feels like he's got a shot at it, then you could see him not using that extra year. And obviously, I don't think we need to go into any length about how how much he's meant to this program and how good of a player he's been. So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty big loss. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else he has to achieve. Before the season, he told me he's like, "I'm going to get another interception and prove that I'm, I can cover." And he got another interception, and Rice was so thin on corners that he was out out doing a lot of coverage more more than he did last year, at least. So, yeah, uh, I, I'd say there. I, I think I'm going to go with Mike Collins, and I I'm not I have no knowledge on what Mike Collins is, is doing, what the future holds for him. So this would be one that I would I would love I would love player I most want to see back. I want Blaze back as as well, but Mike Collins, just because uh, what you saw in this offense was different than anything you've seen in the other, what, 27 games under Bloomgren that Rice has played. The the three with Mike Collins and the 27 without Mike Collins were so very different. And I'm not, I don't think Mike Collins is the silver bullet, but I know it works. And so if you can get something that works, that. And not that Blaze is not replaceable, but the depth and the talent they have in the linebacker room, I, I feel a lot more comfortable with what I've seen from guys like Antonio Montero, next man up, uh, versus what I've seen from from the Rice quarterbacks. So we're better than we were at, at, at that position. Rice is rather, but I, I don't. I, I still have a lot more questions there. Than, right. Than the linebacker unit. Without Blaze, you still feel fine about the linebackers, and it's the quarterback just becomes a big question mark again without Collins. Yeah, uh, if he and selfishly, 
I don't want to be going into doing the 2021 preview with you and answer asking the same question of, well, let's have a second year starting quarterback, please, please. Um, yeah, it would definitely be if, if he chooses to move on, um, and, and we would wish him the best regardless, but if he chooses to move on, it would definitely be like a more than I think anything else about this season. That would be a, like what could have been thing for me with, with, you know, the season turning out the way it did, like what would it have looked like if they had actually been able to play a real schedule with him at quarterback? Yeah. And one of the weirdest, like just quirks of 2020, right? Like how many like grad transfers came in, won their job and posted, well, I can tell you posted 10 touchdown, one reception stat lines that not, none of them, I, I don't think transfers. <laughs> it was, it was insane. So yeah, he was, he was good. Very good great even and i would i would love to have him back so but i think the caveat goes with and i I think we were having this conversation i don't remember if it was on the podcast or or off air but talking about the seniors that are on this team and the grad transfer uh, that did come in like there wasn't there wasn't too many that were not involved in in the saturday game plan there were there were a handful of guys but but a good chunk of the the veterans and the seniors, the guys who would be could choose to leave uh, were guys that were pretty actively involved. And so I think that would go for any of the the senior or the grad guys that were starters. There's probably what six or seven of them. Uh, we would be pretty bummed for all those guys to leave. Happy for them if that's their choice. Like Bloomberg uh, did say after the UAB game, like that's a that's a personal decision for them because we ask a lot of our football players and it's a, a it's a numbers decision for us. Like if. We want them to come back, but we want them to come them to want to want to come back. So we'll see. But yeah, that we'll have more updates on that, I'm sure. Yeah, I imagine we'll we'll hear about a lot of those guys within the next couple of weeks. Uh, our next one is out of nowhere star. Um, for me, this one kind of depends on on how out of nowhere we're, we're talking about. Um, I guess you could make a case for Kalen Griffin. Uh given that he you know, was a true freshman coming in and then ended up being kind of the lead running back for a lot of the year. Hey, um, and for those who did buy the season preview, I tabbed him as my rising star. I, I, think, I think I put three dart throws out there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't know how, uh, like how out of nowhere, if you were paying attention to, to Matt's coverage of the team, maybe he probably wasn't out of nowhere for you at all, given that we, uh, we heard about him having, what, 260 yards in a scrimmage or something? So yeah, I went of... back, I went back and looked and I've, I've already, we don't need to get, I guess, too far to his side, but I, but I went and looked cause I, I made him my offensive newcomer of the year. And I compared what he did against the rice defense in that, uh, his breakout scrimmage compared to uh, what rice opponents were able to do in the running game all season. And, uh, pretty stingy, <laughs> this rice run defense. Nobody else really came close. I mean, Brendan Knox averaged 3.8 a carry and got 76 yards. So only yeah. only one player got 100 yards on the ground against Rice all season. Isn't that crazy? Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, I think I ended up, and I don't know, this might stretch the definition of star, but I, I think I had to end up going with Miles McCord here just because, um, like... If he wasn't that much of a star, the out of nowhere part, uh, I think we, we have covered to this point. <laughs> but like, 
This is the guy who Matt was reporting as he was there at spring practice. <laughs> and he ended up being, you know, in terms of uh, combination of snaps played and quality of play in those snaps fairly easily. I would say Rice's best corner this year. So, yeah, it was funny because I remember when he he got signed and he was a late addition to the class. And of course, you know, Blaze Aldridge was a, a Juco guy that came in late and we know we've talked plenty of already on this podcast about where he went. But McCord was a guy who came in late and was kind of seen as like a, a developmental kind of guy that like, well, I don't know if this guy is I'm not going to say ever going to start at Rice, but he was not somebody that, you know, Rice handpick and said this guy. We think like Brad Rosner, when he was recruited from the Juco ranks, he was like almost written in an ink as a starter immediately when he showed up like that was the plan uh, the plan for miles mccord was not okay you're going to be our starting corner it's like we really like you and we think you could develop into something and he got i think he had a wrist injury and he missed a good handful of games last year and i i guess qualified for the red shirt rule i think he only played in four uh, a lot of special team stuff and so like from from what he was brought in to be to what he became I think that qualifies as star worthy. He's my pick is as well, just because he, he was he was not one of those guys that was a headliner on the, the recruiting class of however, like 25, 27 that came in like he was probably in the lower third easy as far as expectation. And uh, <laughs> what he did this year. Shoot, like he was another guy that Rice just needed a body to step up and you would have lived if if Rice had kind of regressed in the second in the passing defense and had a couple more balls go over their head like you would have been okay with it but there was really only one ball that like went over their head this year and it was a busted coverage so they they were on par probably in the secondary and it, without Miles McCord I I don't know who would have been starting cuz at that point so many guys were nicked up like Sean Fresh had been injured in his game I guess you're Jordan Dunbar, <laughs> only other true freshman. We might have seen Chris Boudreaux in 96 full time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, we probably would have gotten him like a, a tra- well, we, we need to Maybe keep the 96. I think he actually, yeah. after that game, he switched to two. Yeah, that's what it was. He switched to two after that game, but I don't know if he made any appearances in the final two. I mean, you know, we celebrate like defensive tackles wearing one. Why can't we get like a, a cornerback that wears 99? There are no rules on these things in college. Yeah, so if you're listening, Miles, that's an option. 99. Let's go. <laughs> Our next category is most valuable transfer. Um, I, I think this one is fairly straightforward, especially especially given that there weren't as many transfers playing big roles on this team as maybe they've had in the past, like a couple of the ones they were even maybe expecting to. Uh, didn't end up playing at all like uh, like Christian McStravick. But uh, I, I think this has to be Mike Collins. I mean, he was just, we've said it before, but like the the way the passing offense looked with him in a quarterback was just so different than what we've seen in previous years. Yeah, and in order, I, I, I thought about Mike Collins, but the other one that I, I wanted to make sure that was mentioned is an honorable mention maybe. I'll make Mike Collins my, my official pick, but I did want to hit on uh, Javon Wolford at, at right tackle. The... Like along with Juco guys, like the hit right on grad transfers isn't isn't as like it's not a, a sure thing when you're pulling a guy like Mike at least came from the Big 12, had some, you know, power five 
starting experience. Uh, Javon Wolford is a, a guy that came from, oh, I get this, is it Colgate? Colgate, right? yeah. Colgate, yeah, the toothpaste. This man transferred uh, in from toothpaste. <laughs> he transferred in from toothpaste. And he was he was really good and had, you know, once he kind of picked up the scheme and, and understood things through the abridged camps that, that we got, he, he was really, really, really a, a good building block. And Rice has brought in a lot of young up and coming tackles behind him. And I think he's going to serve as that kind of stopgap that they needed uh, to get the line moving. It's not where they need it to be. It needs to get better on the run, uh, in the running game for sure. But pass protection, it was pretty solid. And a part of Mike Collins' success was that he wasn't, you know, being murdered when he tried to throw the football, except for the North Texas game. Yeah. Where, but the first, the except first two games. Noble. Yeah. And hey, that was a tackle. That was mostly not Wolford's fault. So yeah, fair. Uh, our next category is best block. Um, and I must confess that I have not grind grinded the tape. To uh, you know, check every offensive line combo block or kickout block or break down every fullback lead play or anything like that. But uh, how many blocks would you estimate a team has in a season? Like what you got at least six, five five every play with the yeah, offensive mi- line. Yeah, minimum five every play, and you're running sixty to eighty plays on average in a game. Thousands uh, of thousands. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh. But uh, I just just think for the for the moment and um, the, the meme, if you will, for for Blaze's later invocation of the uh, the, the LeBron D Wade thing. But uh, him getting the block for for his roommate Naeem on that pick six was, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was the most technically sound block of the year, but it was the most um, maybe the most satisfying fun. Yeah, that was funny in the the post game press conference, and we're we're you know, of course talking about the the pick six for for Smith and his his return to the lineup. That Aldridge was actually the guy that paved the way into the end zone. He just in the post game press conference after the fact, he just goes straight into like the fact that like yeah, I changed my jersey number so that we would be LeBron and D Wade, and I'm just like, I mean, I I know that these these people like watch sports other than college football. <laughs> and like have fandoms and and Aldridge is actually a, a Florida guy uh, that Flor- went from a Florida high school kid that went to California for Juco ball and ended up in Texas. Uh, you know, why not? At this yeah, point? so he was he grew up in Florida and he would have been what, like, you know, like nine, 10, 11, 12 years old during the LeBron heat years. So that's not surprising that that's uh, that's where his mind goes on that. Yeah, but we, I I particularly enjoy it. And you have Naeem Smith, of course, from Iowa. <laughs> so you have the uh, I don't know where you. I guess you have the Texas, California, Iowa connection flowing through the <laughs> Miami, LeBron and D Wade. But yeah, you can be if you score touchdowns on defense, you can be whoever you want to be, and that was fun. Uh, the next category is most dominant game. Um, and I ended up going here with, uh, and I think this is a, f- a fairly strong candidate, but, uh, Austin Trammell at Southern Miss, uh, because seven receptions, well, anytime you catch seven passes and three of them go for touchdowns, you're probably, you know, looking at a pretty solid performance. And when you add in that they told it up to 143 yards, um, I think that was one of the more, uh, 
one of the more impressive showings for any Rice player on the year. Yeah, that was easy. We, and I never looked back, but when, when I was looking through the look back to see if that where that game single game reception number ranked uh, among Rice uh, greats. But I, I did did see that his his uh, Trammell's touchdown numbers for the season were like the most that any Rice receiver had had in a season since like Jordan Taylor, things like that. And, you know, in 10 and 12 game years <laughs> and Trammell's and did played- it. Three, three games, three games. And he <laughs> so was on pace for, I guess he would have, what would that, he would have been on pace for like a thousand yards in five games. We'll take it. Yeah, that's decent. Is that, that's probably, well, I would say Blitnikoff worthy, but Devontae Smith exists, but <laughs> would, he would have passed he, 2000 yards would have been more than Devontae Smith, right? Yeah. 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 There you go. So. so put him up on the Heisman ballot for what he did this team. I, Austin Trammell. Yeah, that that was that was the no brainer one for me. Uh, you you cheated a little bit on the uh, the biggest surprise and went with corners. So if I'm going to cheat <laughs> a little bit and uh, say most dominant dominant game, uh, I'm going to go back to the Marshall game with the, the defense as a whole. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Po- posting a shutout. Any time that you can shut someone out in their home stadium in a stadium that they have played however many decades in and always managed to score at least a point. That's crazy. Like yeah. Well, my, one of my favorite, favorite bits from that game was that, you know, of all the five interception games that have happened in FBS football, um, at least half of which were put up by Matt Corral for Ole Miss this year. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> of all of those, how many of them do you think, had five different players intercepting all of like there was not a it's single a, repeat among those interceptions. I it's it's got to be thin. Like because at that point, like if you have five interceptions, most of the time that's not going to be a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Most yeah, of no. the time, so you have everyone in your secondary gets a pick or a linebacker, like. <laughs> just doesn't happen yeah and like there's just like there's just not one person you can point to from it like it was it's just such a total like i mean yeah in the brandon carroll was a wrecking ball up front in that game when they did players of the week i was like i guess you give it to blaze because he led the team in tackles and he's the best player you just can't player defensive player of the week the team yeah, I mean, that was one year. It's 206, I think, by the way, games at, at Jones C. Edwards Stadium that Marshall had played. Oh, yes, they'd played 205 and never been shut out. There you go. And now they have. And now they have. All right, and our final category. Look at us putting a, a tight... Well, watch us take another 20 minutes on this one. But anyway, not going to. The thing is, yeah. of all, we've had a lot of them that are like, well, it's it's probably Mike Collins of the Marshall game. Like, <laughs> we had a lot of that. Yeah, it's pretty easy. This one is much more open ended because Mike Collins. Well, I guess Mike Collins could count, but the Marshall game can't count because I guess Marshall's probably not on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this one is the player you're most looking forward to in 2021. Um, and. I mean, if he's coming back, my answer probably is Mike Collins, because please, dear God, give me a full season of that passing game. 
Um, if he's not, or if you just want to say, let's talk about somebody besides the quarterback, which is perfectly understandable. Um, I might be tempted to go Brad Rosner. It will certainly be nice to have him back in this offense. Um, you could maybe go Andrew Mason or or one of the other young receivers. You know, it, it, we've talked for a while about how how great it would be to have a true like field stretcher in this offense. So you know, whether that's Mason or Zane Knipe or whoever, or or even somebody in this incoming recruiting class, um, adding that element to this offense, particularly if Collins is back, uh, would just be just take it to a whole different level. At some point, one of those guys is going to show up. Like Rice is, Rice is going to connect on a ball that travels more than like 40 yards down the field in the air. To be fair, Whiteley did. It just got inter- intercepted by the, you know, the other <laughs> team caught it. Which at that point, that was kind of like, that's it's whatever. It's a Hail Mary last, last, attempt, last attempt. So no, no harm there. Um, and I've thought about this one a lot and I kind of maybe went a little bit deeper but I'm going with Jack Bradley at at tight end and and we don't we don't know what Jordan Myers is going to do obviously one of those guys that we'd love to have back but uh, Jordan Miles Myers played 47 positions on this team and (laughs) you love to have guys that do that but more than likely when Jordan Myers is is not here you're going to have like four guys fill that Jordan Myers role. <laughs> and and I think Jack Bradley, he's he's not Jordan, but he could do maybe one or two of those. And we saw that the big touchdown grab, I, I guess it was the Middle Tennessee game, and he didn't really see a ton of like pass catching action after that. But just his growth and the way he's understand understands uh, the offense and knows what he's doing, I feel like that's a lot. There's a trustworthy factor to getting on the field with the Rice offense. Like, I think there's a reason that last year it was Austin Trammell, Brad Rosner, and, like, August Pete, and that was the passing tree. And this year it was basically, you know, even when, like, other guys were on the field, like Andrew Mason got on the field, Austin Conrad, it was Jake Bailey and Austin Trammell, and that was it. Like, there's you have to get inside of the circle of trust, and I think Bradley could be that guy that they're going to need somebody at the tight end position to get in that circle. And I think he could do a lot of big things. So he's kind of maybe under the radar. But, you know, this is this is the Stanford offense that has so many tight ends in the NFL that you can't count. And yeah, like I mean, and he's actually like he's got prototypes. Like he's six five two forty four is what he's listed at on the roster. And like. He's obviously big and powerful and shown it as a blocker. And we saw glimpses this year of what he can be in the passing game. And when you can get a guy who presents that kind of mismatch, like when you have a a tight end who can be a kind of true double threat that allows you to do a lot of different things when he's in the game, um, that just lets you do so much in terms of just matchups, in terms of what the the personnel that you can force on the field. Um, And when you add in them actually being a weapon in the passing game, it, it, it just adds so much, and he definitely seems to kind of be the leading candidate for that right now. Uh, so, so I'm 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 hoping for big things from him next year for sure. And I and I will add in because probably the other guy that has a skill set that could be that guy uh, would be Jagger Habison, the the incoming tight end. And and I will I will note his mom reached out on Twitter this week because we were trying to pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> 
on the National Science, or I guess Early Signing Period <laughs> show. And it is, it's Jagger pronounced the same as Mick Jagger. So I uh, okay. wanted to get that there in there, uh, correct our mistakes and, and try and sound as, you know, functionally literate as possible. <laughs> but he's a guy that I, can, I think can kind of fill multiple roles, but I don't, uh, like we saw, Nate Camper came in and he's more of a, you know, in the slot kind of guy. But right. I think the game plan <laughs> for the most part is going to be most of these guys get a year under their belt, let them learn the system. Especially a tight end, they have to like know the running game inside and out and the passing game. So I, I don't think we're going to see many freshmen tight end just show up. And that means it's going to have to be Jack Bradley, more than likely. And yeah, it's a it's a tough position no matter what offense you're in to just come in. And, uh, you know, I, except for the certain guys who are just like crazy athletic and they play that kind of they're just sort of a jumbo receiver. Like sometimes those guys can get involved early, but. If you're if you're any type of true tight end where you really have a role as a blocker and and as a receiver, uh, basically any offense, it's it's very t- tough to come in right away as a true freshman, and particularly not one as complex as this is. So, and if uh, I wanted to, to cheat again, because why not? Uh, we this is this is our show. Like <laughs> the yeah, roosties can we, be we whatever we want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> The rules are adapting. If I want to go to the other side of the ball and pick one guy, the player I'm most looking forward to, uh, I'm going to go with Sean Fresh. And I, I, I think so the depth charts that Rice will put out and the starters that go blasted out on the Jumbotron or, or through Twitter, uh, they really don't matter. because <laughs> like, It doesn't matter what's on a piece of paper or a graphic. You can physically see who takes the field, and that's your starter. Uh, but I, I think it was noteworthy that at the end of the season, Sean Fresh was listed as a starting corner on the when they were announcing, like for senior day, the graphics, who was the starters? Sean Fresh. And Sean Fresh hadn't played since the Southern Miss game uh, because of an injury. And he's one of those guys that uh, the coaches are really high on, and people, and I really love his talent. I think he can be something really good for this defense and probably would have been a starter had he been healthy uh, this year, at least. So he's a guy that I think we're going to see a lot more of next year. uh, Yeah, whether he's one that special teams or corner, but when he did play, like uh, there were some freshman mistakes, and you know, especially him getting after the weird as weird as this offseason was and him getting pressed into action way earlier than they expected like that's understandable but even just you know the glimpses i got of when we could actually see him in coverage downfield um he is sticky nobody got sticky, sticky in press coverage like when he was just on a isolated on a guy and could just just run with him and try to shut him down like he could do that. He is he is all there physically in terms of what they need in that role. Um, so I, I would expect him to play a significant role in this defense going forward. And the other one for me on that side of the ball is is Gabe Taylor. Um, and, and we have talked plenty about the hype and the things that are expected of him. Um, another guy that got pressed into action a little earlier than he probably than they would have liked to. Um, and, you know, we saw some growing pains with that. But obviously this guy is is you know, the highest rated signee in Rice history. He's, he has all the potential in the world. Um, and you hope with a full off season and, and time to really grow and learn in that role that he can become a playmaker for them right away. Cause he's, he's got every bit of the talent. Yeah. And we'll see. And it's nice because I feel like at this point we have a, a couple of guys here and there 
that we're kind of curious about and would like to see, but there's not really. And, we'll, and we will have plenty of time, I guess, when we get to spring ball talking about who's here and who's not and what the new signings look like. But we're uh, kind of talking fringes because a lot of the bulk of this roster is, is kind of set-ish, depending on who, who comes back and who doesn't. But it'll be nice that, you know, it's not a... I feel like we've gone through the I don't know who's going to be here just with the roster as is to now it's a, a question. <laughs> now it's just a question of because there's extra eligibility, who's going to come back. But we know all the pieces and there's not really a ton of questions, Mark. It's like, OK, now Isaiah Floyd on the offensive line, what he's going to look like, not OK, who's going to play right guard like. Yeah, it's 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 really nice to be at a point where I, I mean, I really feel like if even if none of the seniors or graduate transfers use their extra year that I feel really good about where they are at every position, except maybe quarterback. And even then Giovanni, I, I think showed, showed some, a good bit of promise over the lot those last two starts that he uh, had made some serious progress since his, his true freshman year. So uh, every, yeah. every one of those guys that they, it, it, they're not in a position but not in a position. Not in a position where it's been a long year. <laughs> not a pos- in a position where they you're sitting here thinking, okay, they have to get X guy back at this position, or else I just don't know what other guy. It's like every one of those guys that comes back is a bonus. Like it, it just it just raises the ceiling rather than they need somebody here to keep the floor from falling out. So, yeah, and I will note the the other two guys that we I got noted on Twitter as far as players looking forward to and, and, and kind of the, the future uh, Juma and, and Andrew Mason both got mentions. And I think those are two guys that we, we saw a little bit of this year, but you know, both guys that we had, we had high expectations for Andrew Mason when he, when he came into the year. And as we know, like we watched the old dominion game two years ago. And now at this point, we know Juma can be a 200 yard back in this offense. If, if he's healthy, he just, he hasn't been, uh, I would like, if both of those people are healthy next year, the offense gets a lot better, regardless of who's at quarterback. Yeah. Add, uh, both, of those, pieces. both of those guys add a really explosive element to the offense when they're healthy. Well, all right. Um, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, we, I think next expect to be back uh, after the final national signing day uh, at the beginning of February. To, to kind of wrap up the class and, and look back on things. I don't know if we may come back for an emergency pod if, you know, there's a big announcement about a player returning or, or you know, some some other major newsworthy item happens. But uh, other than that, I think we are going to take a well-deserved break after podcasting more or less continuously for uh, nine and a half months at this point. So, uh, Man, yeah, thanks for sticking with us during this extremely weird time. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we'll we'll be excited to get back and 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 charge into things for the all again soon. Uh, so look forward to that and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.